0: And somebody find me a hot sauce that I can't best.
1: (laughs) But don't tune out, because we're not through yet. Oh. We're not. We haven't done my alphabet. So here we go. I already cut it off, but if you want to do a fucking chant right now. So here we go. Let's scare him to death. Yeah. From A to Z oh, all in one as big Ari breath just standing
2: and leaving so oh. <laughs> that's evade and
1: bobble and catchvate and dance and elevate and 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 I, and lollipop rating and noise making words and and
3: and you this is the
1: one this is the one that he ran this is the one that you did that this is the one that
0: broke
2: this is why i left
1: this is why i moved back to Spokane yeah
2: yeah Spokane sounds pretty good right about now Fuck you. Welcome to a perfectly accessible podcast, episode 107 at the Comics Place, Spellingham, Washington. Tuesday, get a bunch of books. Later that day, put them away. Flash forward, it's the future now. It's Wednesday. We loved those books. Maybe we didn't like some of those books, but we love talking to you guys about them and each other about them, which is why Sanctum Sanctorum... Uh, going tangents the, the, either related to or unrelated to the, our lives the shop fuck or the comings and goings yeah, comings of our and lives goings. Justin was very into that so I, I <laughs> didn't know necessarily I do,
0: when I listen to the podcast I pull you through the comings and goings I do this motion out loud during the intro I'm like oh comings and goings yeah. of our lives Yeah
2: this,
0: it's, it's I it's like it
2: you have I also you have an empathetic face <clears throat> um great to be back here with everybody we finally did it Justin's been back over a month at this point. Yeah.
0: Has it, wow. Yeah. Wow. It has. Oh, it's a month
2: yesterday. And you returned wow. just after the uh, the centennial anniversary of the podcast, really. Sure. It's true. Episode like 102 or 103 was your return. What was his last episode? Pretty close to 50. It was had to have been.
3: Yeah. Either way, you've
1: that. been back for several weeks, but we haven't had all four of us do a podcast yeah, together yet. Yeah, this is our
3: first foursome.
1: We're going to. First t- of many. Uh, We should mention that our spoilers for this entire podcast are sponsored by Intellitonic. Yes. We'll talk about them later.
2: We'll talk about Intellitonic later, but they wanted us to spoil the shit out of these books. And they did want us to tell you
1: what those books that we're going to spoil is first, though. They say that we are going to spoil Outer Darkness, number one. The Empty Man, number one. Marvel Knights, number one. Green Lantern. Oh, sorry. The Green Lantern. Mm, Thank you. Wait, wait. Grant Morrison's *The Green Lantern* yep. number one. Yep, covers by Frank Quitely. <laughs> I was gonna be covers by Frank Quitely. Uh, Dead Rabbit number two, The Immortal Hulk number eight, and uh, Batman number fifty-eight. So thanks for thanks for bringing the spoilers in Teletonic. Thanks in Teletonic. Um, that makes us sound like a much more
2: adult podcast. Than we are in Teletonic. We talk about farts.
1: <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think we should make a rule that our sponsors can only sponsor the spoilers aspect of the show.
2: Yeah, we were gonna just talk about it in an objective, respectful, go the journey at your own pace sort of way, um, and they were like, "Here's the guts." Yeah, I've got some guts for you. We want a
1: last page fuckaroo.
2: Absolutely, got up in them guts. Pulled him oh out. Oh, God. <laughs> with the long finger. Got <laughs> the long finger out. Jingo's got his hands on his head. You took my role of being nervous about where we are. Uh, Outer Darkness, number one, by John Lehman and Afu Chan. Justin, you're familiar with this artist.
0: Yeah, he did a book called Halogen. Halogen. Halogen? Uh, it was Halo Gen.
2: Like generic halos?
0: Uh, (laughs) holo, it was related to hologram
2: Holographic genesis Yes,
0: something like that A while back, um, four or five years ago Jeff ordered it for me, I remember that (laughs) Yeah Um, Love that guy Yeah, it was very cool Hadn't seen Afu-chan since I like his cartoony style Got I like his cartoony vibes
2: And Django, you kind of pushed Not pushed, but like we all wanted to read this book um, but you were the first one to read it, and we're like, we should talk about this. Lead yeah. the lead the charge. Well,
1: okay, so I liked Chew. This is the same guy that wrote Chew, um, and we've got Farmhand coming out right now by the artist of Chew, and Farmhand's like five issues in. And what I've realized reading that is that a lot of what I liked about Chew was coming from the artist, like the the a lot of the, the sight gags and the, just the. Uh, I don't know. There's there's just a kind of a mood in Farmhand that mirrors Chew more than I thought it would. And uh, so I've been curious about this outer, outer Darkness book. I read it, and I liked it. It's uh, basically Star Trek, but instead of Star Trek based on sci-fi, it's kind of Star Trek based on magic. So these ships are run by demon and god engines, and the um,
0: and sacrifices, that was what's cool. You have to sacrifice <laughs> yeah. to, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, it's not a super <clears throat> unique setup as far as, like, the characters and, the, like, what they're going to do or anything, but the details are all just, like, probably 45 degrees off. It's yeah. all a little bit wrong.
0: Yeah, I, uh, this book, I really like spiritual sci-fis and they're not like very many of them and that was stuff that i used to try to write so seeing this reminds me of like i think i've had like a bunch of bucket scripts of like spirit star trek Mm -hmm. um in fact i know that i do uh and so seeing this in in a book it was it was pretty clever though like the demon engine i didn't expect uh there's actually a halo gen character in the background of this book nice in in the bar yeah um As a side note, there's vomit. There's, like, when I saw... I didn't know that there was, like, spirits or anything in this. So when I saw ghosts and um, possession and exorcists in space, I, I like that. I,
2: J- Django, uh, while we were downstairs earlier, uh, in the day, he was doing, like, a pitch. And he was like, what if, like, Star Trek was, like, magic and, like, spirit... Like, you know, like, magics and you had, like, god engines and stuff. And I uh, just decided in a fit of, like, being pretentious, I was like... Well, I got to go back to your classic Arthur C. Clarke quote, you know, of any highly advanced science uh, is indistinguishable from magic. So if you think about it, all great sci-fi is really just, you know, like God and magic just a hundred years ago. Um, and then I read this, so I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. Yeah,
0: it is uh, fucking cool.
2: That is exactly. Uh, super well done and not at all in that, you know, gentle, like I was just giving him like a gentle ribbing, you know?
0: Yeah, my favorite thing to do is to take that quote and reverse it. Uh-huh. So any... Sid- efficiently advanced technology is in, indistinguishable, indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. yeah. Reverse. God, you, I don't know. I Any lost highly
2: it. advanced card <clears throat> game is indistinguishable from magic? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I lost it, you guys. I lost it. But it's, I really like this book. I really liked it, too, and I really liked the art in it. it John Lehman must just have a thing for, like, a uh, really interesting juxtaposition. Because uh, the tone of this is really spot on. Like, there's you get a lot out of it a lot of exposition without ever doing really heavy dialogue like mm-hmm. the he relies on his cartoonist to tell a lot of the story um in terms of like body language how characters approach one another where they are but it's also he's like generally between Chu and this one banking on it being like the cartooning being more cartoony than for the, sure what he's writing yeah so to like and, like, that's only a two-data sample size. But, like, between those two, to, like, have that strong of a voice and then also leave that much room for the voice of an artist that is that, like, you know, different than the actual tone is is really impressive and, and very cool. And, yeah, this, a lot of it was, you know, the uniqueness of the art.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I read Chew, and I don't think I liked it because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I read it, I just couldn't quite hack... There was, I mean, it was pretty zany, but there was sometimes serious, grotesque stuff in it. While having, like, super toony art, I could never figure out what the book was going for. Like, the juxtaposition between a really, uh, yeah, I couldn't quite, it was toony, but sometimes serious. I could never figure this out. This one,
2: like, makes a little bit more sense for me. I like think it, it plays a, l- a little it, bit better.
0: It's, that's its strength, is, yeah. like... He's not being super serious with it. There's a lot of swearing. It's like an adult cartoon. It
1: feels like an adult, like a good Adult Swim
2: thing. And uh, That being said, I never made it too far mm-hmm. into Chew.
1: So. No, either did I. I I, I, it- I read almost all of Chew, with plans to finish it. On the other side of the art here, I didn't like it that much, mm. um, and I didn't not like it because I don't like the art. I just didn't. It didn't fit for me, uh, and maybe that'll change, but. I would have, I would have liked to see someone else drawing this. I don't know who, but this just felt a little bit not quite ready for for a story player. of this le- level. Yeah, and <clears throat> I get that it's, it's a little more like it's an indie artist. It's got that aesthetic, and uh, I don't think it's bad. It just doesn't, doesn't click for me. But yeah, I liked it, for and sure. I think that Star Trek fans are going to like it, and I think that. Uh, ookie bookie magic fans are going to like it. And, and I think, like, you're, like, you
2: know, your head loppers and your sun bakeries oh, yeah. and your prophets and oh, your, like, Granny oh, Grand world. the headlopper
0: guy drew this. It's pretty graffiti, too. It yeah. reminds me of Ron Wimberley in a, yep. in a for weird sure. way. For sure, Ron Wimberley. It's Wimberly. pretty street, street anime influence. I think
1: I, I would like it with a different colorist. Yeah. Looking at this, I I think it's the colors that, that don't do it for me.
2: It's a, Roman, did you read this one?
3: No, I'm going to, but...
1: <clears throat> I really... Oh,
0: yeah. And there's not like your super heteronormative white male Captain Kirk asshole guy either. No. And um, that's pretty cool. There's like a huge cast of aliens. Not everyone got introduced. That's here on the like the roll call, but.
2: um I, I lo- like. There's a, a great sequence where so basically this is a captain who you get the the first shot of it is. Uh, um, is an intro with him on his old ship and things go go to shit and then jump forward in time. You're in this bar and he gets recruited from this admiral who's got a real sort of General Adama thing going for him. But the way that he gets recruited where he's like obviously not gonna do it and then he starts making these like outlandishly large demands <laughs> and the person is like kind of eventually gets to that point where he's gonna allow him to do it. And I don't know. That's just an in- in- instance of a good like good writing, like, it didn't need an expedition dump, it didn't need to be like on my old ship, this, or like yeah. when I had to do this and I lost this, it's just like you learn a lot about this character, you learn a lot about the Admiral uh, in this, in, in a way that is all art and conversation based, and I think that that is like, John Lehman seems to be really good at writing that balance. The
1: only white dudes in this are like the bad guy leader, like the bad guy in charge of the ship, in the beginning, and the uh, dude who got busted for insurance fraud and <laughs> yeah, yeah. gets sacrificed to run the engine. And the, and the engine,
2: <clears throat> and the aliens, and the ship—like all of the sort of sci-fi design—is amazing. The ship design is amazing. Yeah. That, that crazy demon cool. head is so cool. Yeah,
0: I, to me, like spiritual stuff and aliens are the same thing. Like, you go far far enough out, and you reach inside, and you go deep enough inside, you reach far enough for outside. Sure. So, alien demon. All that stuff can kind of mix, so I, I'm very excited to see a book that vibes on that, and some books have done it for sure.
2: I give it an
1: 8.5. Really good comic book. Really good. I'm going to give it a 7.5, and I'm going to keep reading it, because I like it. Yeah. I'm going to give it a
0: 9. Uh, normally, I don't like to read the things that I like in my books, like <laughs> things that I want <laughs> I really, not have done this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's But I really like it. It's like m- exactly my niche, and sometimes that pisses me off because I'm like, oh, I would have done it differently. But It's
2: also worth mentioning that this book came out one or two weeks ago and we were shorted it. Oh, uh, really? So oh. this book we're talking about now, but it, it came out a week or two ago. So we have some copies, but anybody should go out and find it. It's it's good. Yeah, it's cool. I really enjoyed it. Nine. Ooh. Okay, so from one spaceship to another spaceship, Roman crash land with me into Woo-hoo. Hal Jordan's cock and pit. Oh, speaking of <laughs> <and> which, <laughs> spoilers, Roman Statler's on the podcast. Oh, what hey Roman! We oh,
3: hi there, hi, Roman. Folks. You're,
2: you would
0: say you're a pretty big Green Lantern guy, right? Well, I'm a pretty big Green. Who, Lantern said guy. Yeah, I've who said that?
2: I heard that. I
0: think Grant Morrison said that.
2: That's Justin Casado, all right. <laughs> and oh. I'm Jingo. Jingo, and Jeff's here in the boat <laughs> with the paddle. <clears throat> I'm gonna sip some of this seawater.
1: Stop spanking me, Jeffrey. I'm...
2: No. Oh. That was some good foley. I guess it wasn't quite foley. <laughs> that was the that was some good foley. That was the sound of the smacking and the sheep and the aliens.
1: Hang on, I'm going to be the paddle in the water. Bloop. Oh. <laughs> We're in space, guys. Man, we oh, should do a sorry. radio show together. <laughs>
4: got
1: our
2: Green Lantern range. <laughs> So, Green Lantern, The Green Lantern by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. Sharpe. Nope, sharp, just sharp.
1: Just no. Sharp. Um, Sherp.
2: Liam Sharp, had, the artist, had just finished writing and drawing Batman and Wonder Woman: Brave and the Bold that Roman really dug, and it was like yep. a Celtic
1: story, super dense. Yeah, it yeah. felt like he Celtic. drew it at double the normal he, size and shrunk it down.
3: Yeah, Celtic mythology, and I, and I was worried about him doing sci-fi Green Lantern because I wasn't sure. I liked his art in the mythology setting, fantasy mythology, and I wasn't sure how that would work with the sci-fi, but it's really cool.
2: It, It's, I think the big polarizing part of this book is the art, and I could also see people maybe not liking the writing, because it has a sort of more classic feel to me. Like, it's very, it doesn't feel of, like, modern-day superhero comics to me. Um, like, not rooted in a lot of big, flashy, big stuff. It's not a Donny Cates book, for sure.
0: There's no, like... There's no edginess to it either. There's no presence of like super charming witty dialogue and super edgy characters. I mean,
1: it's got an allegory for Green Lantern coming. It's definitely got that. Yeah. And there were a couple other like kind like I know what you're saying edgy Justin, but uh, yeah. there, there were a couple things in here that I was like, wow, somebody is asleep at the editor's desk, because he snuck that in. Yeah, well, I bet also like
2: they're just sort of let Grant Morrison do whatever he yeah. wants, because they're yeah. probably like, well, I'm an editor, but this guy's got more respect for this comic than I do.
3: True. Uh, yeah, and I, I really liked the uh, kind of returning to some of Hal Jordan's roots, where he's got all these responsibilities all over the galaxy, so his stuff, on his life on mm-hmm. Earth, you know, he's a He's been a toy salesman. He works on a gas station. He keeps on getting fired from these jobs because, you know, they're not important to him.
2: But I love that he also kind of got fired from the Green Lanterns. Like, I like yeah. that this places this book, it places it within the Green Lantern mythos without needing to fit anywhere. Like, okay, he's stopped being a Green Lantern at different times or been fired different So they just sort of solved that by saying, uh, yeah, the Guardians took your ring and said it was for repairs, and they're just kind of not giving it to you because you're kind of reckless. And so it can kind of fit anywhere.
0: Cool. I was confused about that. I, I didn't know if, like, in the newest continuity of the Green Lantern, don't they so. fired, they done did Candom again. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, that uh, I yeah. was confused as to where this was taking place and why. It
3: had that feel, though. I, and actually, in the latest DC Nation, I think I read an interview with Morrison, and he said, actually, it takes place both. Kind of timeless in the Green Lantern timeline, but it also takes place after all the current stuff that's been happening in Green Lantern, because mm. this issue introduces new Oa, which mm-hmm. up until this issue, Mogo was taking right. the place of Oa.
1: So basically, this is a sequel to the Doomsday Clock, is what he's saying. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it also feels
2: <clears throat> like, without saying it, it's kind of like, it feels like him kind of being like, this is my all-star Green Lantern. Yeah. 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 That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, Yeah, it's got this sort of timeless feel, and it's just sort of distilled, epitomized Hal Jordan, like you were just saying. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's clever and
3: cool in this. It is. And actually, in in that interview with Morrison, he said he was kind of writing Hal um, as if he was uh, Paul Newman. And when I looked up my favorite Paul Newman film, Nobody's Perfect, I was like, that's who this Hal is. He's Paul Newman's character from that movie.
1: I don't know if you guys uh, noticed, but there's a scene where there's a Green Lantern who is just uh, sneezing, barfing, shitting your pants. Yeah,
3: the virus Green Lantern.
1: Did you notice earlier on, right after the yellow guy who eventually dies flipping the bird with a, dis- with a severed finger, um, he says, hey, don't... like the, uh, the Guardians are trying to get a hold of him, and, and he says, don't make me lose my constant.'" And he gets interrupted because he gets punched in the stomach. He says constant traff. Read traff backwards. Far. Oh. <laughs> That's gotta be on purpose, right? I so I don't know. There's there's no way Probably There's no way that he would make like a shitting your pants joke a page and a half later and not have Is Grant Morrison fucking with us? Is he just trying to make <laughs> crude jokes? Because there's There's farts, there's diarrhea, there's There's some, there's boogers.
2: There's some good, uh, like kind (laughs) of fluid based humor in it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love fluid based humor. But
2: it's also like. Fusil phlegm? I love, yeah, I love. (laughs) It was that was when I was sort of like okay cool classically Grant Morrison like just doing a thing in a bigger or more extended way like okay cool if they have a Green Lantern for every race of alien of course bacteria are living types of things they would be a a Green Lantern one of those yeah uh, I love the moment where like when the I forget whoever it is that's like fallen out of Omni travel or whatever the like super high fast travel they've come like uh, I don't know there's just a lot of like Grant Morrison words that like, immediately just tickle me, where I'm sort of like, okay, like that's not a real thing, but I know exactly what that means. That's my favorite type of writing.
0: Yeah, when we finally get to New Ola, he just goes like Grant Morrison as fuck, and starts talking about this cosmic library, and the great attractor at the heart of all things, which right. is like a Terrence McKenna thing. I, th- it, I, it, I think yeah. it's a direct reference, because Terrence McKenna talks about the mathematical object at the end of time, which is also a Philip K. Dick thing. Uh, and he just makes up all of his like material universe from the sublime and non-dual omni-awareness. Like, yeah, just I like love when great he great
2: Grant Morrison
1: stuff. I I don't understand when you say that you think the art is going to be polarizing. Do, um, do people not like this? Because this doesn't look like the super flashy Liam Sharp that we got in that Batman Wonder Woman. Book like that. That seemed like he was kind of showing off a very distinct art style, and this is detailed, but it doesn't seem super far off from other Green Lantern comics that come out later.
2: Um, I think the whole thing has a pretty like classic. I mean, I would say like you compared it to Ethan Van Sciver, and I agree with that. But I don't even. I think that that's kind of polarizing now. <coughs> it's it's this seems like with the exception of the big pages where there's elaborate paneling going on, it feels like a pretty classic DC comic from, like, the era of, like, Justice League International and stuff. Late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and I think that people who want more modern-type art are not going to be into it. I had a couple people say they weren't into it. The, like, heavy, like, shadowing, the amount of shadows, like, in clothes and on skin, it almost Mm -hmm. has, like, a, um, what's his name, Neil Adams look to it at times. It's just, I, I could... It feels really eighties. Yeah, and that's that's like seventies or eighties. I don't know what era is. Yeah. Which it felt really
3: good to me. I love that Liam Sharp did the classic, like the first time Hal makes a construct. It's the classic Carmine Infantino hand. Yeah, and then the big big weight. It's just simple. Yeah, breaths. he gets the ring
1: back and does that. That's yeah. Carmine Infantino's hand. Like he knows Carmine Infantino. That's
3: what Infantino? he used to draw. That's the only two those. Even the fact that he, one of just, the things he references in Josh here <laughs> Car mining. One of the things he references in here, actually, I read in that interview, is Morrison got from a flash fact from an old flash comic. Mm. This thing about the cube, which is a real scientific theory. Huh. I forget where it is in here, but I love that kind of stuff. This is, Oh, I love this book. I love it's that. So much fun.
2: You know, we've gotten the uh, Jeff Jones introduced the multicolored lanterns, and then Scott Snyder was like, "Oh, we've got the ultraviolet <laughs> spectrum," and Grant Morrison just like fuck all of you guys. And he just makes, like, <laughs> s- references to seven other ones, like, yeah. X-ray lanterns, radio lanterns, gamma lanterns, microwave lanterns. Uh, and then. At the, I loved that. Yeah, and That's at so the good. end, the reveal, and what it's the cover of the Frank Quietly uh covers that um, the Weaponer is, wait, they're, they're the, building... The, an- the antimatter the, lantern? Yeah, and is that the Weaponer? Weaponeer.
3: Yeah, because from the Cordian universe, wasn't it? it was the, the Weaponers of Cord.
2: Yeah, well, it's an old
3: Green Lantern thing, and they're from the antimatter universe. Yeah, I was, and I was, but we never. Reppiner,
2: but like J- Kyle Rayner and Jeff Johns Green Lantern Corps run goes to him, and like they, he makes this yeah. big, yeah. thing for him. But yeah, I but guess that was the person I was picturing, and he doesn't look anything
0: like okay. this. This looks like Hal. Well, there's a whole bunch of we- this is Reppiner. a yellow Hal, and I feel like I've seen a yellow suited Hal before. There is.
3: I mean, the costume is basically like that's been used for the crime syndicate, or no, not the crime syndicate, the Bizarro Green Lantern.
0: Okay. Years and ago. maybe
1: antimatter anti- lantern I'm, is yellow because it's the opposite yeah, of green. It's just, yeah, that's yeah, because
3: the antimatter universe and the weapon ears of Quard have been around since the Silver Age.
1: I liked I like the art in this Okay, quite a bit. It's yeah, very, I wanted, very
0: pulpy. It is. I wanted to ask you, Jeff, as my fellow Grant Morrison bro, uh if this felt like a like like a boy's back. Because last night when I, I was on the couch and I only had time to read one comic last night and I closed this. After reading it, and I was like, oh, fucking boy's back. Oh, boy's back. Because it's got, like, his weird use of his own dialect. It's got his kind of humorous side as well as his super... Then he goes super cosmic and weird, which is my favorite Graham Morrison. So it seemed like a good snapshot of every kind of superhero. It's It's a good... Uh, smorgasbord of his... Yeah,
2: yes, last week you said something that was very apt about Heroes in Crisis and you said it sounds like, it feels like a book that wants to exist as opposed to a book that's kind of being made to exist. And I think Grant Morrison can fall into a camp of like, we need this book written. Ask Grant. He'll do a thing that lots of people will read. And I think he does that a lot of the time, but you can feel like maybe his heart isn't in it or it's not necessarily a wealth of ideas he's excited to, to get to. And that was what I was worried about going into this. For sure. And it really does feel... Like whether he wanted to or not, he like immediately got carried away with a whole bunch of ideas, and I think you can feel Grant Morrison having fun with yeah, it. I was just about to yeah. say it
0: seems like he's playing in a sandbox. He's excited yeah. to be in.
1: I would give it a uh, seven. I want to like it more than I do, but that was I was that was going to be a horse whinny. That was that was a impromptu <laughs> horse whinny, and it came out like that. Sorry, it, it was a an anarcho space horse. Oh, do that again. I can't now. <laughs> So, what do you guys give it? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Grant!
3: I'm going to give it a Mm. 9.5. I love this. Even the next issue, two-page spread at the back. Um, I'm going to give it a 10.
0: It it reminds me like Grant Morrison doing superhero Lone Sloan, if that makes any fucking sense. Because Lone Sloan is very just like
2: cosmic kind of metal stuff. Yeah, and big white backgrounds with panels in it and stuff. Yeah. So, Empty Man number one... We talk, I talked about this to you guys. We all talked about it on that heads-up thing that we did, because it's a book that I was excited about. But gosh darn it, if I didn't get a little bamboozled, and we'll talk about getting a little horse-swapped bamboozled later on here, but the original book was written by Cullen Bunn, art by uh, Vanessa Del Rey. The cover was done by Vanessa Del Rey. They put her name on the ad, and it is not her interior art.
1: Huh.
2: Okay. And... The art is still great. Yeah, I really like the art. But, gosh, it looks, they were clearly doing her style, looking at it, put her name on the ad, had her do the cover, and then switched it out, and we're supposed to not get hornswoggled by that, and still, we did. I did. So this is a sequel. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sequel, sequel, right? It is. To what? The first series. There was like a (laughs) five-issue series that came out a couple years ago, and she did the art in that one.
0: Vanessa del Rey is a hard, uh, like you. You go into a book; her style is very unique and amazing. You go yeah. into a book thinking you're going to get Vanessa del Rey, and then
1: you need it. Wow. And mm-hmm.
3: this
2: is very close. This is like her mixed with some Jeff Lemire,
3: almost. Like it's yeah. I was going to say this is very Lemire-y. Yeah, and Lemirian. She
2: just does a lot more interesting panel work than this one. Lots of triangles and lots of weird angles. And so
1: this follows. I'm assuming after the other series, this is. Uh, a disease that hops, that that goes into people and just kind of makes them mean. Yeah, right? but also like worship it and believe in it and they all will
2: have these common symptoms that they move through it and one is like... Um, Eventually, like, sort of seeing this thin, shadowy figure, and then oftentimes you'll kill yourself and other people after right. like writing that the empty man made you do it. But they also have this deep reference and like deference for the empty man. In the first one, it's two cops that like one of them maybe contracts it, and they were working in this police department that they sort of, I think it's in the founding of the the precinct that's hunting this disease. So they're the two characters that show up at the end of this. Okay, so and they're sick. Are, are they are they sick? I think that the woman maybe was, or maybe thought she was, because the thing is that the interesting about interesting thing about the disease is that it affect like you still seem rational to an extent, but right. there's a strange shift in your priorities and. You know, like, she thinks, like... What the fuck? In this one, the beginning narration (laughs) is really interesting. And it's coming from this perspective of this woman who, as it progresses, like, you see, like, has the disease. And then you realize that the text that you've just been reading, like, five pages, is actually something she's writing in blood on the wall. Yeah. So that's, like, the same text of the several-page intro.
0: So it's, like, a disease that makes you a religious fanatic serial killer, but you don't know it.
2: Yeah. And it actually... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, not th- not so much of those extremes of those words, but, yeah. like, yeah. like uh, Just the
0: idea of, yeah, something that changes your behavior, makes you kind of ookier, makes you have this, like, reverence for something, and then you don't. It's really. my
2: favorite Cullen Bunn premise of all the books that he's done, and I really liked the first miniseries, and I've, um, yeah, not seen it get a lot of traction in the store or anything, but I, I, I hope that now he's a bigger name and it'll cost people to check this book out but i really like it the so thing this is I, your bun winner this is my bu- this is my
1: yeah this is my bunkers dozen right? <laughs> the thing that i liked about it is that they focus a lot on what this widespread disease does to society at large and so they mentioned like they have people on the news arguing about whether people actually see the thin man or not right and they mentioned that some people are pretending that they have the disease so that they can do gross things to other people. Right. And that that fascinates me because I think we don't, a lot of times in, in stories like this, I mean, this is, this is a zombie story, kind of when it comes down to it, like these people get some sort of disease that turns them mean. And uh, a lot of times it just focuses on the horror of that. And this is partly that, but also society. And it's not progressed so far that everything's fallen apart and we have a walking dead situation. People are still dealing with this and it's like some people are sick and doing fucked up stuff. And I, I really like the idea that then you can explore it's it's kind of like uh, like during the AIDS epidemic, it wasn't just a bunch of people dying. There was a lot of other stuff that happened around people being scared of it and and people trying to cure it and like there was there were a lot more societal Fallout effects.
0: So yeah, the like it hasn't led to an apocalyptic. There's a, still a society to play around with and figure yeah. out how people. That's and, yeah. a, and a
1: totally normal one and kind of like uh, man eaters that came out last week, where there's a there's a, a messed up thing that's happening, but it hasn't ended the world. And I think I think the world would be hard to end at this point. And so it's pretty cool to have have that studied. Yeah. yeah.
2: And. Yeah, it, the the symptoms of it, like I, I, definitely wouldn't say it's like a zombie story, but it, yeah, it, it is sort of a, a, an outbreak story, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a contagion story. That's, yeah, I guess that's a better. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 but exactly, it's very societal. Um, so it's super interesting. I really like it. I, in spite of it not being her art, I still really liked this art. There was just some like really socially disturbing scenes, like this mom that was you know telling the story at the beginning clearly has this disease but she's like reassuring him like I don't have that disease and at one point you know like in the next morning in the kitchen she's like trying to tell him like I'm totally fine he's like no like I I get it you're totally good but sweetie their daughter you should go to school I'll stay home like I have some sick days left I'm gonna stay home she's like you don't have to do that I'm fine and she's like also like where are the knives did you like take all of the knives and then she starts freaking out because she needs one of the knives and it's like this horrible scene and then he locks her in her room and later night, he's watching TV and she starts just like screaming at somebody up there because she's seeing this horrible violence down on the street that's not actually occurring, and it's it's disturbing in a in a real disturbing way. What do you give it? Um, I'd go eight eight point five on this one too. Yeah. Probably eight. I, like horror is not necessarily my genre, but I am gonna read all of this, and uh, it's my, probably my favorite of the Colin Bunn books. And I'm
1: gonna give it a seven. Cool. Yeah, um, maybe more if I'd read the original one.
2: I think that it works real well to not have read it, but. Um, Because it introduces those two characters, and you get to know them, and they show up at the end, and that was a cool nod to it. But I'm not sure how integral they'll
1: be or anything. Yeah. Listen, did you guys read Marvel Knights? Yep. Did all of us read Marvel Knights? Not last night. Uh, uh-huh. Did anybody know what was going on, or were we all basically just daredevil in this book? I think we were all basically daredevil in this book. Yeah. Did anybody
3: else know? What was I going
0: completely on? understood it, knew exactly what it was referencing, or no,
3: I <laughs> had no fucking idea.
1: I think that's the point, though, right? I think so. Reality
3: has been changed, yeah, by the Beyonder or somebody.
1: So, what I got from it is that the characters, as they were in the Marvel Knights universe, have been Dropped into a new universe? Or had their brains wiped? Or is restarted. it the
2: characters from the Marvel Knights universe and that universe has been restarted?
3: Wait, is Marvel Knights different than regular? I thought it was just a more mature version of the same characters.
2: Yeah, I think so, but was it technically a different con- continuity?
3: I don't know, that's what I'm asking.
2: I don't know, because originally Daredevil from Bendis was a Marvel Knights property They got integrated to the
1: main universe. And it was also, uh, wasn't the, was that? But I think the Punisher was different. Maybe I, not. Or maybe did it become. There was a Marvel Knights Punisher, but then it turned into some, it turned into Punisher Max.
2: And then like the Black Panther by Christopher Priest, he returned and did a Marvel Knights run. I don't know. I don't know if, there, if it's like a separate continuity or if, I I think that this is a separate universe of characters is my feeling.
1: I, don't I feel hope like, so. Because yeah, this yeah. doesn't fit very well with it, the Marvel universe. Yeah, it must universe, be. Right ba- especially
3: Banner, yeah. yeah. I
0: kind of, yeah, read it as something happened diverged like this is it was the marvel universe and now this thing happened and now there's like a break in time from that i was like oh these characters are similar enough matt has gone through because karen page died in normal marvel universe right yeah she
1: died in kevin smith's run on daredevil which yeah. was maybe a marvel Knights series. Uh, okay.
0: yeah okay yeah uh it was confusing
1: Yeah, it was confusing, but I guess it didn't necessarily
2: feel like confusing. It felt like they don't have all the information and we're not supposed to either, so it's just kind of like the story is figuring it out. So I didn't ever feel lost. It just felt like, okay, the story is putting these pieces together. And I love that page of Daredevil remembering that's Mm -hmm. all the historical like significant covers of Daredevil.
1: I had a really hard time with the art, just in general. Mm -hmm. Me too. I feel like so it's Donnie Cates writing it in travel and Travel Foreman drawing it. And I, it's crazy that this is Travel Foreman.
0: I love Travel Foreman. I felt like you phoned it in. I yeah.
1: hear that yeah, name this, this and is, I think I'm pretty sure I like that artist. I can't think of what he's done that I've that I've liked, but I I have good Lemire's Animal Man. Okay. Yeah. Ultimates. He, like, uh, okay. He just did something
0: too. I have like like <clears> warm
1: <throat> feelings towards that name, and at some it, point it I was reading be. this and I was like. Is this a web comic that they decided <laughs> to publish? It could be a lot of the inker. Like,
2: the inking and, like, the colored yeah. backgrounds are real bad. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, which is weird, because it's a high-profile book, and it's a high-profile writer, and the art is definitely of a lower caliber. Now, I don't think it's so bad that it stopped me from enjoying it, but it it is... I was surprised that this was the art in this book.
1: It just distracted me, I guess. Yeah. Like, I was reading it, and I'd be like, whoa, fuck, that's a bad drawing of Kingpin. He looks like a big old baby. Yeah. <laughs> Karen shaped page, his whole body.
0: when she shows up, looks like pretty typical travel foreman art.
1: And that Karen Page reveal is a gorgeous page. Yeah, yes. the
3: coloring on these pages is beautiful. And it's almost like a different book than like the two pages in the in Nelson uh, Nelson and Walter's law. And
2: <laughs> yeah, just yeah, you're both right. Me like that's more way more classically Travel Foreman in that page.
0: And then I thought like I flipped through this book yesterday, and thought there was an actual different artist doing different parts of yeah. it because it it kind of wildly changes.
1: Well, Travel Foreman's seven year old kid drew part of it, I think is what it is. I like the mystery set up in this. I like um, Matt Murdock not really knowing who he is or why he can see even though he's blind. Uh, I like Punisher also not really knowing who he is and being kind of a dickhead cop who's trying to be a good guy. I like that characterization of Punisher a little bit more than like off the rails murderer Punisher. Yeah. 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 I really like him being a, a good good cop in a uniform I right. think that's awesome um, the artist will be a different artist in the next
2: issue which is yeah. crazy maybe one of the reasons this is less travel foreman is because they're trying to have a unified artistic sort of oh that uh, would make sense and I love yeah. that the reveal at the end against spoilers with everything is that like Dr. Doct- Kingpin is sending out Bullseye to find all these people and Piecing out who all these characters in the are, but then he's subservient to Doctor Doom, who shows up at the end. And God knows, I love Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah. that
3: was my favorite. I mean, I love the Punisher thing. I love the mysteries cool, but my favorite part of the book was yeah, that reveal in the end with Doctor Doom, and he's got Crossbones and Taskmaster, which when they're used well, I love those villains. Yeah. So, so a they're scale both of one basically to ten. Deathstroke.
1: <laughs> Would you have guessed that this was Donnie Cates if you didn't know?
3: No.
0: No. Me neither. I it felt like a watered-down Donny Cates. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd give it a six and a half. Also, I'm going to keep reading it. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I think I'd go s- like seven, and I'll keep reading
2: it. Like six and a half or seven. I think that sounds pretty good. It's, Same. it's all the things that
3: we said. If it had I been Joe
1: Quesada drawing it, probably give it an eight. Yeah. I like his art a lot. Me too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it a seven.
1: So the end of that, we revealed Mm -hmm. that the last page is Dr. Doom, Taskmaster, and Crossbones. That little juicy nugget was sponsored by Intellatonic. Intellatonic is a Bellingham-based, conversion-centric, digital marketing agency focused on proving sales, not just traffic and impressions. It's their goal to become your business digital marketing department, not just your vendor. They do it all. They do it all, and they do it all with handsome faces,
2: short kept beards, just a little bit of the facial hair, kind of a salt a and pepper. A good line, yeah, like a, like a, a thin line.
0: Yeah. They
2: aesthetically look good, and you know that it's it's a good looking group of boys who are not only advertising for you, but turning people who see your ads into people that are using your your product or your software or your website. They're gonna they're gonna get people to you, but more importantly, they're gonna find people that are going to use you. Targeted.
1: Targeted. Targeted. lined out beards. Here's the thing. I'm going to trick them into doing some of that work for us. Trick them. I'm going to trick them. Oh. Maybe we're going to be big and famous like the McElroys coming up soon because of No,
2: No promises. Yeah, but you know what I was thinking about is like with podcast advertising like paying to be an advertisement on a podcast is like an investment in the future because no matter what, Mm -hmm. like if, if that podcast becomes successful five years later, people will go through and listen to the old podcasts and your advertising is eternal in that
1: regard. So they believe Mm. in them believing in us. Right, right. They believe in us
2: believing in them at least for a small amount of time. But even if we don't do it well, if people listen to this later on, they're paying for an advertisement today but they're also playing for an advertisement for the end of time. See, that proves their
1: sales strategy.
2: They're great. Uh, so everyone should check out Intelatonics.com. Intelatonic.
1: Oh, I keep com. doing that. <laughs>
2: There's only one of them. Yeah. I mean, only one Intelaton. But what you can do is if you go to Intelatonic.com, will you spell it one more time, Django?
1: I N T E L L I T O N I C. Intelligence. Electronic tonic? Like intelligence intelligent tonic inside water. tonic water.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah like the yeah. intelligent DNA woven like into
1: if you go yeah, to that much.
2: website, you'll see a group shot of all the staff people and it is a very attractive group of people. There's no nudity, you don't have to worry about no. that. It's totally <laughs> safe for work. But if you want to see an array of people that the perfectly acceptable podcast finds very aesthetically pleasing Go to Intelatonic.com.
0: The one specifically more aesthetically pleasing than than the rest. There's and one you can guess which very one. <laughs> hot boy on it,
2: and you can uh, check out the website and tell us um, one to you know ten, how many people are there, number one being on the left and moving to the right, which number you think is the most attractive, and we'll tell you if it's the one that we all agree is the most attractive. We'll just tell
1: you if you're right or wrong. For sure. We're not going to say. He's the, also
2: the one that looks like he has a heart of gold.
1: And also Reed Richards.
2: <laughs>
1: Dead Rabbit Number Two by Jerry Dugan, Don McCra- oh Jesus, you're doing great. Am I? Yeah. Don. I McCrug- just called Don. Oh God. I mean John. I just McCra- called John Don, and then I called him Don again. <laughs> Don John Dugan. Don uh, by Jerry Don Dugan. Don Juan Dugan. <laughs> Dead Rabbit Number Two by Don Juan Dugan, Don Johnson McRae, and uh, Mike Spicer. Don Mike Spicer. <laughs> <laughs> Don Rabbit. Uh Am I the only one That read this Uh huh Alright So this keeps Following our hero Who Let's see In the last issue He did a crime In order to pay For his wife's Medical bills She uh, Is in worse shape Than he thought When he gets done Doing the crime And rescuing some people Making from a, a crime From a basement Making a crime I made a crime Um, And so he's got some Huge hospital bills to pay So he decides to get His driver His old school driver And knock over a bank But it Unbeknownst to him, the driver's an alcoholic, and he falls asleep at the wheel while the dude's robbing the bank. And so he has to be his own getaway driver, and uh, it's bad, bad news. I like this issue. It's it's uh, funny. It's a little bit cartoony, like uh, we, we all know John McCray can do. And um, I, I think that Jerry Dugan is a really good kind of crime, saucy bad guy writer. Like, real quippy, snappy. He's, uh, I don't know. When, when he does this kind of genre, I feel like he's able to do Ocean's Eleven kind of intricacy and, and snappy, mean people. So, like,
2: yeah, uh, like, with, and with analog, yeah. like, he's real smart, like a dry, yeah. smart wit.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe like, uh, uh, the West Wing meets. The Wire. Holy shit. That is like <laughs> a pitch right there. Man. <laughs> also, I don't like his stuff that isn't this genre very much. Yeah. So like this, this is where he really, really appeals to me. His other stuff is, is competent, but not, Can not something you that really list grabs me. Three
2: titles that this would be one of that makes a logical, cohesive group.
1: Like same same kind of universe. Yeah, thing. like what
2: two other books would you group this with to create a group of similarities? I could
1: see this happening in the background of Hitman uh-huh. from DC. Like I could I could see this crossing over with that at some point. And uh, geez, the other one I would say like this could be set in the world of criminal. By Ed Brubaker. This so criminal, this is a little flashier. Dead Rabbit
2: and Hitman.
1: Criminal feels like everybody's whispering, whisper talking, when they're interacting. If that makes sense, like you watch the the Daredevil TV show and everybody's talking like this. Yeah, clear
2: your throat, <clears> throat> it makes me just need to clear my, clear yeah. my throat.
1: And uh, in this one, I feel like this guy is overconfident enough that he never has has to whisper talk, even if he's hiding from somebody with a gun in a closet and talking to somebody else. Mm. They're just like hanging out and talking.
0: You know how to pitch a book, dude.
2: Yeah, that's a great pitch. First the wire meets whatever, and then like hitman meets whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Real good. <Sold>. Um, <laughs> uh I give this a seven and a half. Maybe an eight if you I'm gonna good mood. Like a Yeah, I thought you Eleven fun. eleven and a fourteen. Yeah,
3: because I thought you liked this more than the previous one, which you gave us seven.
1: I gave I it think. a fucking six and a half. Six and a half. I, I do like the art a lot. Um yeah, the art's great, the writing's fun, like the, the whole costume. story is fun. What's that? Like the outfit. So that's a really good segue into
2: Speaking Immortal of number eight by Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Rui Jose, and Paul Mounds. There's a <laughs> lot of strange blood or bloodless sequences in this. <laughs> okay,
1: did everybody
2: read this one? I no no did
1: not. I'm behind on this goddamn book, and I don't know if I'm ever gonna have enough days in my life to catch up. You you will, and
3: and again, huge warning about spoilers. There's so many, so many horror. Yeah, so many. It's such a great horror, and there's so many big surprises in this that are terrifying. And and you got
1: a telltale heart quote. Yeah,
3: I mean, if you really don't seriously, if you tune out at this point and come back, because if you don't want this ruined.
1: Oh, I don't care, man.
2: You Your heart will spoil be So I'm going to do a really erotic, not actually erotic, but uh, an spoiler, just real quick summary of this issue, because I want Django to know what happens in it. Um, at the end of the last one, <laughs> the Avengers dropped, like, a satellite laser on him, very Akira, which I know you're into. Cut and slide. Um, and they kill him, and uh, he's Bruce Banner when they kill him, and this scientific group cuts his body apart into small pieces and then when it becomes night, which is what at night he becomes the Hulk whether he's dead or alive. Red, And his body parts are turning into the Hulk when they are within close proximity so there's this great narrated scene of like they had removed his heart and it was easy to cut, Like it's like they go into the technology, they're using this thing that cost this many millions of dollars to make, there's only form of existence, it's the only way we can cut through this heart. It was easy to cut his heart out when it was red like, um, nice. and as they're bringing it, they're like just past the water cooler or something. It turns, you know, green. Ultimately, this scientist who's beating. a shit, yeah, <laughs> it starts beating. The scientist who's a shit who's like dissecting it and everything uh, realizes that Hulk is cognizant and in alive in these jars that he's in, wow. and he. Is using their scientific uh, exploration on him to understand himself better, but then he snaps and it breaks all these jars and his body parts fall <laughs> all over.
3: It's so fucking. And then crazy. the body and, and one parts, of his hands catches his head. <laughs> yeah,
2: and then the body parts are trying to like regrow together, and in the slimy, gross fluid of that, it envelops the scientists, and he. Dies being suffocated by the reconstructed organs of the Hulk inside. I had of him. to check the page. Holy I thought I missed shit. a page. I was like, "Why? Where did that guy?
0: Oh, he's inside the fucking Hulk." And his hand yeah. is all
2: dead and limp, and then gets sucked oh, into him. wow! It's like really dark. Yeah, yeah. it's
3: so horrifying. Look
2: at that Especially transformation page of Hulk back to Bruce.
3: Yeah, when you realize that the Hulk somehow is still Hulk. is still controlling his body parts, even those nervous systems all cut up. And the scientists kind of realize that at the same time. Like, why are you smiling? Quit smiling. Yeah, because he's like, "How? Where's the science here? This defies all science." So, and the Hulk's Hulk's head is upside down, and you can't hear him because he's in a jar. But the scientist realizes the Hulk's laughing at him.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and you can't tell unless you flip the page upside down. Either that's so fucking cool. So, okay, I got some questions. Yeah, is this? Mystical, or is this like quantum entanglement that's keeping his body controlling his body? It's like neither.
3: I, I, I was gonna say it's both. Probably. Yeah, it's both. Yeah. Well, I think it's like
2: Justin said, saying When you get so far outside, you get so far inside. At some point in here, when they're talking about it, they're like, "We don't know the science. We don't know this. We like, we don't get it. Does it even matter?" And I felt like that was sort of a meta conversation of just like, "This is a horror book about the Hulk being immortal. Like, we could yeah. talk about the science of it." Stop telling us how Superman flies. Yeah, but like, also at the same time, maybe let's just say that there is something so gamma super radiation out there that like we can't figure it out, and let that be enough. Like, it's that's probably
1: okay. something that they have a lantern for, though. Also, yeah.
2: this one page uh, and it goes through on both sides must have gotten moved a fraction of a centimeter as it's being printed, which happens often in comics. But it's got that thing where the letters are just like all the letters oh, are yeah. thick, fat letter, like ice cream sandwich oh, it's, letters. It's
1: one of the one of the screens. Or one, yeah, one of the plates on the printing. I process love when that happens in a comic
2: because you're just like, this was a little bit wrong, and now I've got fat letters, and I like it. Yeah. All
1: mm-hmm. the art is just a little <laughs> bit smudgy and warm and wide. So I like this trend of fuck it, it's a comic. Like this, this. I've only read a couple issues of this, and every time you guys describe it, it makes me feel like it's an issue of Cosmic Ghost Rider level of goof, like super bonkers. Nothing, nothing really matters or makes sense, but they're having a whole lot of fun with diving deep just in the areas that they care about. So, what do you guys? I, I
3: love the continue. I just wanted to briefly say I love the continuation of that theme about his his bastard father, mm-hmm. of Bruce, being afraid that this Hulk is is echoes of his father, his abusive father,
0: and it all mm-hmm. kind of but is his dad said it to him in a couple issues back. Yeah, he's like everything. I am, as in you are, is in response to me. Yeah. And I love that. Man, this is
2: scary stuff. It, it was a, a through line of it, but it was also only brought up in like two boxes of dialogue on the last page and his face is in the clouds. Like, yeah. Yeah. wow. Yeah.
1: Do you guys have a fear of missing out? You know about that? Yeah. Hmm? Fear of missing out? Of course you don't know about that. I, t- I was telling him about <laughs> it <laughs> the other mean? day with like know. Facebook and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like me not reading this. Me not reading Thanos. (laughs) Makes me wonder if I'm broken and don't have that. Well, because there are there are there is always a book that you guys are reading that you're super impressed by and you fucking love that I'm not reading and I don't chase it. Well, I would say that you are also talking to three people who have a real
2: big interest in a you know, like a Loosely defined as psychology, or like yeah, but yeah, these inter- sound awesome to me. Yeah, th- th- <laughs> yeah, no, and it is it is super super awesome. But I mean, like that is a thing that we're all like super into is like sort of introspective, brain, spiritual stuff. Um, I, and I, yeah, I think it's awesome that you are. That this sounds good. I, yeah, and I think that you would like it if you read it. But yeah. I also I like know that's not necessarily ahead. a thing that your compass doesn't necessarily point to that direction in the way that it does. The yeah, Hulk
1: I, coming together and then turning back into Bruce Banner, those panels alone are yeah. are enough to get me through eight issues of garbage. And this doesn't sound it's like garbage at all. Yeah, so good. Every, every awesome. And to so be fair,
0: good. I didn't read this like you guys put it in my stack of birthday books and I was like, oh, it's the Hulk. Not even checking Al Ewing and I right. i, I like that guy. So I, I had no idea until being back at the store hearing people talk about it. I went and read all seven issues in one sitting. So, right. you know, I, I didn't quite sniff it out. I would never would have thought a Hulk book would be this fucking cool. Me neither. I've yeah. never finished in the Hulk.
1: Roman, is this what uh, you like about the Hulk or is this a different thing? Because you're a huge Hulk fan. The it's, Hulk guy, in fact. It's... Yeah.
3: The it's, it's a different thing, though, it's, it's a kind of a, a, a I want to say distillation because of the cover. but it's um, the Rampaging Hulk series, the magazine. Uh-huh. Marvel started out as black and white, and then went to color. Um, it wasn't approved by the comics code, so it was a little more. they had horror-themed issues, and it's kind of based in that, and then the Peter David stuff he introduced about his father. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, it's a new thing, but it's drawing on those two very specific things, and I really like that. So, what do you guys give it? I'll give it a ten. This was my favorite book of the week so far. Is
1: That two tens from you already? No,
3: no, no. no he did a ten. One. Oh, yeah. I did a nine point five for the one. He gave a ten. Relanging. I would go nine
2: point five on this.
3: I give it a nine, uh, only
0: because I don't really care about the Alpha Flight stuff.
2: Yeah, I don't. I, that's true. The the Captain Marvel stuff.
0: Um, and I keep and this is probably a sign that it's good but I just always want a little bit
2: more with this book.
0: Give me that green fucking door again. <laughs> yeah. I'm jonesing for that green door. They showed it up in the fucking Antarctic. They like they go in it and I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." And then they didn't give it to me. So <laughs> they'll,
3: they'll they'll get there. I'm even yeah. a little I mean a little jazzed for the Gamma Flight Alpha Flight stuff just because I love those knuckleheads.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I have no attachment to any of those characters, so for sure I was like, I've grown to like Sasquatch in this book, but in terms of like the Captain Marvel role and that <laughs> stuff, I'm not necessarily into it.
1: It's, you can't say Sasquatch. It's so, so
2: squash. It's so Sasquatch. So <laughs> so, so I squash. love the Sasquatch. 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 Good job, Al Ewing. When you're on, you're on.
0: Yeah, he's a... He's there, is there a bloody difference? power cord is what he is.
2: All right, so, I mean, I guess before we do that thing, I want at least a buckshot from Django and Roman, and I, I can do one too, but, uh, I mean, like, Justin and I didn't have a chance to read a ton. It was actually, I mean, like, it was, for me, I don't know, I took home nine books this week, and most of them were talking about on the podcast. Usually I take home, like, 15, so I, I don't want to say small week because there was a lot of
1: things, but... Um, it, was a, it was a big week of... 90 seconds, go. Oh, shit. Religion and Imperial <laughs> Cadet. Okay, Star Wars, Han Solo, <laughs> Imperial Basket. Cadet, number one, by Robert, Robbie Thompson with Leonard Kirk on art. This book follows young Han Solo in the army as, as an Imperial officer, trying or an Imperial grunt. Does he look smug the whole time? No, he looks young the whole time, and... The first, I don't know, the first 10 pages are just kind of a recap of the beginning of the solo movie. I almost stopped reading it because I thought I'd accidentally picked up the, uh, <laughs> the adaptation, the adaptation <laughs> yeah. instead of the the new series. And then when it finally gets into it, you get one pretty good sequence. He flies a TIE fighter for a minute, and that was thrilling. Um, That's thrilling. I don't know. feels like a cash grab to me. It's not bad. If you if you really need more Han Solo, this is this is a worthy story. But for me, it just felt like filling in gaps that we could have already assumed. Um, Auntie Agatha's Home for Wayward Rabbits by Keith Giffen and Benjamin Roman. Ooh. Romance.
3: It's got to be good. Romance, it was
1: not, not what I wanted. Um, <laughs> Keith Giffen wrote my very favorite Justice League run. Maybe uh, constant listeners know that. I really respect Keith Gavin's Justice League run. And he's written a lot of other really funny stuff. He helped make Lobo really cool. This is about a little girl who has a whole bunch of rabbits and a dog that dresses like a rabbit and an ant who's in trouble. And it's, <sighs> I was disappointed. Okay, Django. I don't know why I did a buckshot for books I didn't like. Oh,
2: I'm Roman. Like, 90 calories. seconds. You've oh got my that. Oh, God.
1: Um, but not yet, because I actually okay. haven't gotten to the clock. Good, yet, so good, cause just cause like,
3: I'm not ready. Man. I haven't read any comics. I'll chant while you Oh, set please the
2: clock. don't. I've, go- I've got it. It's going. <laughs> oh, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to hear the chant. Um, the Wrong Earth, number three, by Tom Payer and... Uh, I don't have the credits. <laughs> That's okay. Jamal Eagle and Juan Castro. That's um, a 50 your time. I didn't read issue two. <laughs> issue three is great. This is still a very clever... Reversal of uh, Dragonfly Man and Dragonfly, who are basically the Batman TV show Batman and the 90s Batman. They've switched Earths, and they're both having a really hard time um, being in the opposite numbers Earth because things in the real world are so awful and gritty, and it's killing the one guy. He's just so depressed walking around the streets. No. There's a mystery about his sidekick um, and a villain, two villains that maybe, cro- maybe got together and planned all this. It's a very clever book. Um, You guys will like the text piece in the back. There's a story, a one-page text story called um, Meat by Carol Lay. (laughs) (laughs) X-23, number
4: six.
3: This is a really fun issue. It's a one-done-in-one story. Um, Laura and Honey Badger go undercover in a high school to solve a crime going on there. And it's just the the previous like four issue story arc five issues about the cuckoos that was that was fun Did they but I was anybody? ready for it to be done and this is just a fun Laura and and Bounty badger adventure and Kaiju Max number season four number three is as, as usual ten. I love this book.
2: <laughs> Pervert. Let's take a second and talk about um, all the things that you just said. Uh, the Wrong Earth, still my favorite part of that was that Roman was really excited and we didn't talk about the first issue of the podcast but Django was like, can I tell you what I think that is about? <laughs> and he like perfectly pitched it and Roman was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> so that was awesome. That's but, awesome. <laughs> so second, Roman named the awesome new staple or Honey Badger mm. and it's my perfect staple, yes. based on the colors. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Great job. Thank you. So I... Was actually best liking. thing I've done a
3: store all week.
2: Uh, that's not true. Uh, you do great stuff all the time. <laughs> well, I still got Friday coming up. Jeff, yeah. one and a half minutes go. I'm going to talk about Death <clears throat> of the Inhumans number five by Donnie Cates and Ariel Olivetti and Jordi Belair, the final issue of this mini series called Death of the Inhumans. So there's going to be spoilers. If you don't want that, take about a minute, twenty seconds, minute, fifteen seconds into the future. Because I'll be done in by that. name. Yes, because Inteletonic they get shit done for you and they do it right and they're hot. Um, <laughs> what we learn is that that crazy splicer, dark joker, inhuman guy is actually what they turn all of the dead inhumans into. Oh. So there's a whole bunch of them. And Black Bolt's all like haggard up. He's got Beta Ray Bill and a Karnak and a bunch of them. And they have a moment of silence because Black Bolt can only sign. And then Beta Ray Rind gets get that cool <laughs> moment where he's in the moment of silence and he says, I do not speak inhuman sign language. What are we doing? Very cute, good <laughs> gag. Um, it's, uh, the spoilers of this is that uh, not all the Inhumans die. Um, a lot of them die in this weird way of like, he's like, oh, the Kree is who we have to take down, but the Inhumans are the Kree. So in order to do that, I have to kill the Inhumans, and he kills a bunch of already dead Inhumans that are not quite dead because they've been turned into these ultrasonic screwdriver bad guys. And... Uh, um yeah, uh, at the end, Lockjaw and Medusa and Black Bolt and Beta Ray Bill and Karnak and Crystal are still alive, and the final ro- you know thing is that Rome was built, Rome rose again, and to this day, and for all the days still to come, Rome remains. Cool, Donny Kate sort of mythic way of encapsulating the whole thing at the beginning. Sort of was talking about Rome and the the the, the way that it lives on, and comparing the Inhumans to the Roman Empire, and it was it was all very good.
1: Two things. Yeah. First is. Um, the way you describe those, that, that he has to kill all the Kree and the Inhumans are Kree, yeah. made me think of Rogel's R. He's a little bit backward logic-y. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Second thing, Justin was pressed for time and didn't read enough comics to do a we, buckshot. Yeah. I think it would have been cool if we had just assigned him to be our hype man while we were doing
2: <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, take a minute and a half Add thirty <laughs> seconds to everybody else's thing to allow for him to sort of like yeah, you get a question yeah. and sort of like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be like oh oh oh, oh you said something like dark Joker yeah, this
0: guy. I want to be like dark
2: yeah, Joker what, empathetic <laughs> face nod with <laughs> yeah. me like
0: oh oh
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it and I love so I would I love that idea. He's the best. He's the best
3: of us. Can, <laughs> Can yeah. I add that Death of the Humans cover? The main cover, man. Intense cover Batman. that and the Hulk immortal Hulk cover. jeez. two excellent.
2: And thank God Lockjaw is not actually dead. And Black like, Bolt's yeah.
3: got broad
0: shoulders.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, The Penguin has a secret, and the Dark Knight will pay the price. Batman Fifty Eight. Tom King, Mikhail Jan and
1: Jordy Belair. We saved the bats for last. We always do. Th- his, that's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Good book. The
3: secret is Penguin wears bat underoos.
1: His- <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Will anybody argue with me that the best shot in this whole thing... Penguin in the shower? Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alfred hanging upside down, cleaning the teeth of the uh, dinosaur in the back cave. I will say that's one of the best scenes, and I feel like there's like six that are that good. It's a good comic. Yeah. This is a,
2: a really good comic. Back just like... The last arc of the Batman book was pretty darn good, but this one, we're back into the Bane stuff, and I like that.
0: I forgot that there's an overarching plot in this Batman book.
2: It's been a long uh, yard. Bane was the one in charge of KGB's killing dude. Oh, that's right. He's been in charge of this whole run, but he's been so silent and in the background. I
3: I, I love that in this, that, yeah, Penguin gets a message, he gets himself, like, Caught by Batman and arrested and sent to Arkham just so we can go Shaved. meet with Bane. Yeah,
1: <laughs> goes through all this, so he can meet with Bane and Thomas Wayne, Batman. And we don't really know yeah, what, what is going on with that yet, and if that's a red, if like
2: if he's going to be one of the ways out of it. Why does Bane trust him? Shouldn't he be more loyal to Batman? I'd have to reread the button. Yeah,
0: <sighs> yeah. Is he from another universe? How did he get here? In, in the state? button,
2: he was brought over.
0: Yeah. Oh, he was from brought the Flashpoint. Yeah. Other
3: okay. Universe. Yeah.
0: I don't remember him being I thought they him and Batman like cried together, and then Batman left and he stayed:
1: I really like the scene where the uh, the window at Wayne Manor gets broken, and Batman's out on patrol, and uh, Alfred can guess what Batman's gonna say. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. He's like, with the storm, it's probably the wind, and then. Batman says, with this storm, it's likely the wind. Yeah. Um, I really like that. So, this sort of penguin gets told
2: by Bane that he needs to kill Alfred, but he's not allowed to kill Bruce. Yeah. So, the penguin constructs this mystery that is going to have Batman obviously trace it back to him, the penguin, while simultaneously having hit people go to kill Alfred and then. He's gonna make it happen that they're waiting there, and as soon as Batman comes in the room, he's gonna ask for a field report so that Batman hears that Alfred's about to be murdered, and then he's telling them, oh, wait, no, don't kill Alfred. All right, Batman, we need to talk. And, like, just the perfect, the whole thing, uh, I don't know, I didn't didn't realize that that was what was going on. So when he
1: did Uh that, I was like, oh, God, Tom King, you're bigger than me, I love it. I thought... As, as Alfred was leaning over and picking up a bird and had, a like, a laser scope on his head, I thought, maybe this is the theme yeah. for Tom King's Batman. He's going to shoot all his friends in the head. Like, I I actually, before I turned, like, and it's, it's a few more pages before you find out that Alfred right. doesn't get shot in the head just like Dick got shot in the head, like, four issues ago. And that's... That's good comic booking there. It yeah. for sure is, and they I also was that. like, "Are we gonna get a dead Alfred story? Is that what this is?" Like, I was totally buying into it. They tested us cutting off his hand in the in the Scott Snyder ride, right. and now they're uh, they. Uh, I really was worried for him, and for sure, to me get too. me to worry about a character in a comic book, that's that's something special. And not only does Penguin tell the guy not to kill Batman, he says, "Don't pull the trigger." Instead. Kill the pilot of the helicopter and then kill yourself. Now. now. Bang, bang. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's And he does that that's in front of crazy. Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so to have Bane who's been the mastermind of this entire 58 issue and 2 annual arc um defied by the penguin is really cool. Yeah. Tom King can do anything
2: with Batman villains. Justin, what did you think <clears throat> of the poem in it?
0: I thought the poem was very cool. I, in fact, I do. You, do you think that Tom King wrote it? I don't know. I wanted to Google it. It seemed, and no offense to Tom King, but I. I it seemed like that poem was better than like a comic book writer. Right. Or like it felt like a poet wrote that. I, I, it I
3: assumed it was a, uh, not Tom King. Right. But a, a previously existing poem. But I thought
0: it was like I really enjoyed the poem and the fact that it carried through. I thought was really really good. I really liked that. Um, I also legitimately thought that Alfred might get it Um, in the fact that Bane is behind
2: all of it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like I reread the first 20 or so issues. when I went to Michigan last and that was right after the wedding had happened. And rereading this run from the perspective of like Bane is orchestrating this huge thing and it is this huge sort of psychological war between Batman and Bane. It's, it's a better, it's a way better run than I thought for the first like 15 issues, Warrior. and I think yeah. that you know the issues since then have proved that. But even those first 15 issues are there. I just didn't really get what was going in. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, that's a Shakespeare poem. Okay. The Phoenix and the Turtle. Oh, cool. Mm. Also, I googled that. Yeah. Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, do, do you think
3: um, one thing I'm not clear on? Does the Arkham staff? I mean, are they also under Bane's thrall? Do they know Bane That's a good is? Because Bane's got this throne sitting there, with the skulls everywhere. He had to pack how those up. How from could he hide that? Santa Prista. <laughs> yeah, and bring them yeah. all the way here. But we haven't got an indication yet of, if the staff is all, if this is all secret from them or not.
1: Somebody tweet Tom King and make sure he takes care of that before to get the, me to the end do of the that. issue. <laughs> before the end of the series, we need him to answer that question.
2: I also love the like, just the like. You know how this works. Remove your clothes and proceed the initial cleaning. And we got another lice outbreak, so we're going to need to shave you. And Penguin is just like they're getting sprayed and he's like then he's clearly been all shaved and he's sitting in his orange jumper and they're like now nah. he's got to like walk down and he's standing there like totally subserviently to Bane like I I Really like Bane. And my first exposure to Bane was in Batman the Animated series. Hmm. Um and they're like Batman has to fight him on a boat and he turns mm-hmm. up his venom all the way and the hoses break. Do his Bane's pop? I don't remember. But it's it was awesome, and I really like I really like Bane. And he's I don't, a very cool kid. Yeah, even outside of like I didn't read Nightfall. So, but he's just I think he's a great character and i love that he is the main guy that is fighting yeah. batman in this
0: jeff have you read the 90s comic i forget what it's called now i'll, I'll find the name for you but it's when bane is recruited by ross al ghul to be the actual mate to talia no it's what? yeah there's a, a one shot that like ross al Ghul's in response to batman or maybe it's a mini series saying no or messing up with Talia, he gets Bane and shit goes down. And it's one of the best Bane stories I've read. It's Mm -hmm. very good. I like it. Um.
1: Um, Did you guys enjoy the uh, interaction between Batman and Gordon on the roof where Gordon wants to, like, give Batman kind of a verbal hug about Nightwing and Batman's just totally focused on the crime, which, by the way, so this issue covers some fallout from Nightwing getting shot in the head. Mm-hmm. It covers um, some of the the oh fuck my brain just stopped. The freeze. It just stopped. Oh yeah, the Mr. Like, the Mr. It, Mr. Freeze, yeah, freeze stuff. It, yeah, it, it yeah. connects back to Mr. Freeze, and there was something else in here that that connected for me, and I was like, this this issue is. Tying a whole bunch of arcs well, that we've had recently together. And that's together. what I was getting at.
0: So, is Bane <clears throat> orchestrating the Mr. Freeze thing as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he's leading Batman down another, another hole. And then I also read that the lice thing may have not been true just to break Penguin more. So, oh, Penguin I like that. would be mm-hmm. more subservient to Bane. And that's why Penguin is potentially. Having this this loophole trying to talk to Batman is because yeah. Bane is so fucked up that Bane
1: pushed him just a little too far. Yeah, I like that. Because um, Penguin yeah. is kind of vain, right? Well, yeah, and
2: and and yeah, he is. Um, like so that the wedding, everything led to the wedding, you know. And DC was like, it's the wedding, and all this stuff, and then it didn't happen. The wedding, um, and a lot of people are like mad about that. Like, still, people are like, yeah, like I just think there was an, an error. They like, they lied to me. Uh, so since the wedding, we've had these two story arcs that have come out of it. And it's like the Mr. Freeze one and then uh, the one we just finished with KG Beast. And I had processed those as like, this is the fallout of the wedding. Sort of like we had this river of story and now these are these tributary things that show the aftermath of it. And, but and, it's just more. Yeah, and then this was like, oh no, those little streams are just getting rebraided into the thread. Like it, yeah. it, it just was like, it's, it's such a complexly woven knot story story that it I'm just consistently amazed by how much of it is all related and and a big part of So do you think
0: Bane orchestrated Nightwing getting shot the freeze thing to happen the wedding to happen to further break him so right now Batman's probably gonna is being gonna be led to do something pretty fucked up with the penguin and
2: like the, the big thing is that Like, Bane hadn't been around for, like, 25 issues. And the last issue, the wedding issue, it's got the girl that convinced him to leave. He's sitting there. And it's got Skeets and Thomas Wynn. And it shows that everything that's happened, it's got Gotham Girl, is because of Bane. And, like, every single thing that's happened
1: in this run is because of him. And it's so good. What if the Penguin is the weakest link in Bane's plan and the Penguin is what breaks it? Because we're well past the halfway mark now. Yep. Right? Like, we've only got 40 issues left in his planned... Hundred issue run, yeah. So which things can is so start. sad because I
2: wanted to just keep going. And
0: those forty issues are going to go quick. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah.
1: like twice a month, like a year. Yeah. Yeah. But still, we got a year left. Six months? No, two years. Wait. Twice. Six, twice a month. Two years left. But. It... Puff,
2: puff. Cast math. <laughs>
1: cast puff math.
0: Yeah. It. This one made me realize that there's a bunch of things being seeded and not just kind of meandering one-shots that happen to click together. Like, yeah. the KGBs and the Mr. Freeze thing felt like two separate things. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, that Batman's getting played like a
1: chump. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's so cool about this is I think I think if you just took out the panels with Bane, you could basically just have a bunch of two- or three-issue arcs in this, right. and, and they're all totally satisfying all by themselves.
2: Right, that was sort of, like, how I was processing them. It just sort yeah. of separate sort of things demonstrating the fallout of this thing and like no they're
1: oh you were saying that when i was looking up shakespeare
2: oh yeah 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 it's a it's a it's it's tightly woven it's tightly woven um
1: i'm gonna give this one an eight and a half Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna give this series so far like a nine and a half yeah like i i don't know i don't know how to really grade this without having 57 issues and two annuals worth of baggage and and three pages in Batman Secret Files baggage. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very good. Uh, I,
2: I'll give it a 9.5. Uh, I think it's super, super, super good. I I love that the artist had that one. of you those know, classic Mikhail Janin, double-page spreads of him, you know, like eight shots of Batman in mm-hmm. a double-page spread that's showing him moving through time, but one big static image, like they a nine-panel grid without nine panels.
1: They are doing the... DC mandate for two issues a month right with this series yeah. where he's, he's beating an artist up and making him do a full arc and then switching artists for another right. arc. Really impressive. So good. A L- lot of, a lot of meta good stuff going on in there. to Ooh, take that numbers.
0: Out. I'll give it an eight. Um, there are still things that loose ends that I'm waiting to see tied up. Um, Braided. but yeah, it's still very, very good. Very, very good. Ader for me,
1: Roman. Did you read it or did we just in teletonic uh, No, no, at? no. I,
3: I, I, I did read it. I'll oh. give it. I'll give it nine penguin special umbrellas. Mm, did right. you like seeing penguins' ass? It was covered by the steam, wasn't it? I don't remember seeing it. Justin can see through steam. <laughs> if I did see it, maybe I blocked it out. You, you can can't see the shape. Really
2: see it, but you can definitely see the shape. I mean, when right, you see I was more
3: focused on his, his when you see negative space. shoulders and his head down, looking so despondent, defeated. Yeah. yeah.
1: Here's the thing. I missed that, his butt. that panel where he meets with Bane. I didn't notice it. it was a beautiful two page spread when I was reading it, or just now when I was flipping through it. But every time you guys across the table from me open <laughs> to that page, I'm like, that's a fucking cool two page spread. So upside down, comics kind of are different. Upside down. even better.
3: Alfred's right side up.
1: Dude, also <laughs> like we are gonna sell out of this Grant
2: Morrison book, which is Very good. crazy to me. We're gonna like three times as much of it as the Green Lantern
3: wow. book before it. How, which is what number? A lot. A lot. Um, number, how many do we have left?
2: And Braid, I was like, man, I love this Frank Quietly car, And Braid was even like, if you want to order five more of that because you like Frank quietly just to be selfish, like, I support that. And I was like, I'm gonna. And we've got like five copies on the shelf so far. So.
1: Cool. Well, well listen, I'll bring mine back for people. I won't. I to be fair, that
2: is one of
0: the best covers oh, I've seen in a like very long time. Oh, it's so good. It's so gross and rad. And
3: I think it's so cool that there's an antimatter lantern. Yeah. Because that's that's new. Morrison. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, we'll follow up on all of that later. Uh, I'm Jeff Afuchan.
1: What does that mean? Uh, that's the name of the guy that drew. I'm Not Justin. Bird. Bird? Bird. That's the blood. I'm Django. Word that was very hip. M- murt. That was very meat. <laughs> I'm, I'm Roman, I'm Roman Splort. Oh.
2: That's not cleared for air. Can you give me a different one?
3: <laughs> now we're all Patang.
2: in. Trouble. Oh, I'm no. Roman. I'm Roman Patang.
1: I'm Roman Patang.
3: Very
2: good.
1: <laughs> Thanks to Nick Wait for the music. Yeah, is he doing the music? Yeah, he's doing the music. Sure is. Nick Waite <laughs> at stemming uh, soundcloud.com. Still slash stemming way,
2: still catchy.
1: Um, Also, thanks to Inteletonic for sponsoring our spoilers. Spoiler sponsor. Spoiler sponsor, Inteletonic. Go look at their website.
2: Do us that favor. Seriously. We don't charge anybody for this fucking radio gold. So you. (laughs) I've been thinking about it. You guys should just go. If you were to Google Inteletonic, it would make us look really good.